it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Okay, Penn State football fans, your team finished the 2022 season as the number seven team in the country per the AP. Johnny McGonigal joins me. He had a vote. He's going to explain where he had the Lions, but boy, Johnny, what a season. We haven't talked since the Rose Bowl, I believe. Lots of player news to get to. All of it, I think, pretty positive, but I was just thinking overall, Johnny, I mean, other than the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, there aren't any more buzzier teams heading into probably the start of the 2023, you know, offseason, the winter conditioning period, the James Franklin's Penn State Nittany Lions, and for good reason. Yeah, Bob, we haven't spoken since the Rose Bowl on this podcast. We've been talking elsewhere, you know, group texts and all that kind of good stuff, just about what's been unfolding in the college football world over the last week or so. Uh, You mentioned buzzy teams. It's hard to be buzzier than Georgia after setting a bowl record, not a national title. I mean, obviously, national title record, you know, playoff record and all that. Beating TCU the way they did was just ridiculous. Um, but aside from the Bulldogs and the dynasty, they seemingly are building. I mean, Penn State, after that Rose Bowl win, uh, getting to 11-2, and two, and now, like you mentioned, uh, the AP poll, the final one coming out, they're finishing seventh. I th- and, and you look at the way-too-early rankings for whatever they're worth and however much stock you put in that, uh, they're ranked higher in some of those, entering the 2023 offseason now. It feels a little hyperbolic to say the hype has never been higher uh, with this James Franklin program. But at the same time, like the hype is pretty high. Uh, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the expectations, internal and external, are pretty high for the Sydney Lion program coming off of that Rose Bowl. And, uh, and with good reason. I think part of the reason the Penn State team is, is really looked at as a team that can make another big step forward. And it's not just, you know, it's not just, you know, ESPN.com. It's, you know, Kirk Herbstreet, everyone's kind of aware of what they were able to do this year. And it was the way they were able to do it, you know, the way that they were able to bounce back from some midseason adversity. And it was the way that they were able to develop, you know, some young players. The offense turned the corner. The offensive line, I feel like, turned the corner. The defense under Manny Diaz, I think, really was a different kind, an attacking style of defense, different from what they did with Brent Pry And a lot of those guys that were, you know, difference makers are all back. So, I mean, the arrow's trending up. They had another good recruiting class. They're, they're, they're getting some people in the transfer portal. We'll get to all of it, Johnny, but it just seems like it's like six or seven factors that really are at play. And I also think, you know, being able to get that signature win in the Rose Bowl against Utah, I know the quarterback went out for Utah, 
when the game was still in doubt. But Penn State finished that game off very impressively. And I just think that, man, they look like a very hungry program. I think they are. It's not just the Johnny, it's not just the players. I think it's the coaching staff, too. Yeah, you mentioned Utah. This is a team that beat USC twice. They won the Pac-12. Uh, they entered the Rose Bowl as a favorite, and that that line was shifting before kickoff uh, back into Penn State's favor. But this was supposed to be a tight uh, ball game. We both thought it was going to be a tight ball game. Most people did, too. Uh, and for Penn State to win the way it did, 35-21, and it didn't even feel that close, really, at the end. You know, Utah scoring a, a touchdown in the dying embers of the game. You know, there were celebrations, party-like atmosphere amongst the Penn State traveling fans at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, you know, going into the fourth quarter, leaving the third. And so uh, it was it was an emphatic win for Penn State. And really, you look at their resume throughout the year to get that ranked win, to get that top 10 win. Uh, it was something that they were missing. They they you know, beat the snot out of Auburn uh, down in SEC country. That was a big win to do what they did to Minnesota, I think, was a really good win. Uh, but they lost to Michigan. They lost to Ohio State, and those were their two ranked opponents and two teams that were in the college football playoff and finished, uh, you know, three and four uh, at least on my ballot in, in the AP. And uh, I put Penn State seven as well. You know, I had them behind the four teams that made the playoff, and I had them behind uh, Tennessee and Alabama. And I think that's really good company to keep uh, for this Penn State team that started out the year unranked. Now I had them. I think it was 21 or 22 in my preseason poll. So not like I had them number seven. I don't know when I had them number seven, but I did ha- I did think that they were, you know, they had the, the possibility to be a top 10 to 15 team and they superseded all these expectations and, and they deserve it too. I, the way that they, the way they handled themselves this season, looking forward to the future too. It was not just a bunch of seniors that it was a one hit wonder or anything. This team is built. Uh, the foundation is built on freshmen and they're built on young guys who are going to be contributing into 2023 and 2024. Yeah, and uh, I think since we last talked, there was, I think, a significant addition via the transfer portal, uh, the wideout. I know we talked about the North Carolina defensive back, but let's talk with the, the news about the Penn State players that when they were out at the Rose Bowl, you got the feeling they were on the fence. Were they going to come back? Were they going to, were they going to test the waters? They were draft eligible. Uh, two very good players, talented players, kind of at different parts of their career. But uh, let's get to the let's get to the defensive players that are going to be back for Penn State uh, in 2023. Curtis Jacobs, the outside linebacker, and Adisa Isaac, the edge rusher. Let's start with Adisa, who you know his return. You know it will be I think his fifth year. He missed 2021 with an Achilles injury, and he got I thought he got better as this, especially in the second half of the year, Johnny. It's as uh, as the season went on. Had a couple of tackles for loss against Utah. About 240 pounds. He's, he's, he's a guy that's probably going to play with his hand in the ground at the next level. I wonder if he'll want to get bigger at all. But, boy, you look at what they have now at defensive end with him coming back, and those are three really, really good defensive ends that they can, they can kind of attack teams with. Yeah, Bob, a couple of weeks before the Rose Bowl, you know, we had that media day in State College. Before everyone you know, had their Christmas and had their holiday celebrations, before everyone flew out to L.A., we were able to talk to a lot of these guys. And uh, as soon as Adisa came out, you know, for interviews, I, I, you know, went over to him and asked him about, you know, his thought process. And he, of course, didn't give anything away on any decision that he was going to make. But uh, one small line that he did say was he thought he felt like he had more left in the tank uh, to give Penn State. And I think the injury aspect of that uh, is where that was coming from. You know, he didn't have a full offseason 
uh, before this season. You know, he admitted that he was you know knocking off the rust earlier in the year. I mean, he had a really nice Auburn game, and so uh, it didn't take him too long to get into the swing of things. But you could tell even uh, in in early October and as the you know, Big Ten season was approaching and, and you know in the early stages of that, you could tell that it, it wasn't his same explosive self at all times. And I think he knows that. I think Penn State staff knows that. And and he has a lot more to give, which is crazy because he led the team in tackles for loss this season. Like he is a very talented guy. And I think he's one that, you know, with a full offseason, if he stays healthy and he has the type of year that he wants to have in 2023, I mean, he could be the top, you know, NFL draft prospect on this defense. You know, on the flip side of the Lulu Fashion, who right now is already a, a first round graded guy and he's coming back an offensive tackle. So he seems like he has that on lock in terms of the overall team. Uh, but when you look ahead to the 2024 draft, I, I think Adisa Isaac is one to keep an eye on. And he, he really does have room to grow if he puts on some more weight and just gets stronger and uh, has the kind of offseason he wants to have. And you talk about him, uh, Chop Robinson, uh, deny Dennis Sutton uh, coming back you know, after a, a nice freshman year. Uh, to have those three, Amin Vanover is a guy that I don't think a lot of people talk about, but had a really nice year. That, those are some good pieces to have off the edge if you're John Scott and Manny Diaz and James Franklin. Yeah, and I think when you look at Adisa Isaac's career at Penn State, I think you got to give him some credit for this decision because I've covered some Penn State players that played that position, one in particular that I think definitely left too early, Garrett Sickles, after you know his... I think it was his 2016 season. It might have been. But whatever. I, I felt like he was a guy, man, I wish he would have came back for one more year, got a little bit bigger. It just didn't work out for him at the next level. And Adisa, really, really one of the, one of the most sought-after kids in that 2019 class uh, that Penn State brought in, but played a little as a freshman. That was a team that had Etor Gross Matos. That was a team that had Shaka Tony. You know, the, that had a, a, you had a – you had an Odafe Owe that was just starting to kind of figure things out. And then, you know, in, two, in, two, in 2020, he's essentially playing, you know, those guys, it was a shortened season. Those guys played pretty much all the snaps. Adisa was like the third wheel. So you didn't really get to see maybe that breakout year that you thought he could do. And then 2021 is wiped out because of the injury. So I give him credit uh, for being patient about this and really thinking it through because I think if he can, if he can, produce another year or improve on the year, improve on the 2022 year, I think it's really in his favor to show the league that forget about the injury, forget about, you know, trying to play behind Shaka and, and Owe. This is really the player that I could have been all along. I just had to overcome, you know, two or three really big obstacles at Penn State. Yeah, and you mentioned patience. You mentioned uh, that approach, uh, that mindset. The same can be said for Curtis Jacobs. You know, he didn't have the same injury issues, the same injury concerns that Adisa had entering this season. But he was a guy that played primarily, you know, going back to high school on the outside uh, and then ended up shifting inside this year. You know, played inside as in, you know, the Will and Sam, not middle linebacker. But you know, he is, the, you know, he is the I think the IQ to, to do that as well, if, uh, if Penn State wants him to do that. But entering the year, you know, Manny Diaz had questions about it. He admitted this. We talked to him out in L.A., and he was saying that it was a question mark whether or not you know Curtis could play in the box. Uh, and quickly, he answered that you know by you know the middle of the season or whatever. He answered that question. They know the answer is yes, but uh, Curtis Jacobs is a player who you know again has some room to grow. He has you know a, a lot of room 
where he can he can really up his game. I think he can really up his game. And we talked about this uh, ahead of the Rose Bowl. You know, we're just you know waiting for these guys to come out for interviews, and we're talking about okay, who are the guys who can announce and all that. We both agreed that Curtis Jacobs was one that probably should come back, and for him to make that decision and not get too hasty about it, um, I think is I think it's a good sign for him that, and it's a good sign for this Penn State defense that he's going to be back and he's going to be working with Abdul Carter and probably Kobe King in, in the middle. I don't know. I think it's a good decision for him. And I think it's one that, that he'll look back on and, and think that, okay, I, I made the right choice here. Yeah. He's one of the more freakish athletes. I think Penn state's had at linebacker in the last, last decade. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes to remember that he, he was actually a wideout too in, in high school and a really, really good one. I think he may even might've had, he might have had close to a thousand yards one year at McDonough. Obviously, he was playing, I think, both ways. But you know, he wasn't quite as big as he is now. I think they list him about two thirty. I'm sure when he got to Penn State, he was probably a lot closer to two ten or two oh five, whatever that was. But um, he's at, he's been able to add good weight. He's become an integral part of Manny Diaz's defense and the way that Manny likes to play defense with all those uh, schemes that he has. I think his combination. You know, coverage ability, speed, quickness. He's versatile enough to play, I think, probably anywhere at, at linebacker. But he's a guy that in, in a nickel alignment, you want to keep him on the field. I, I think that his value at the NFL level is really intriguing because that's even more, I think, of a hybrid league now than, than college football is. And if he can just – I don't know if he needs to add a lot of weight, uh, Johnny. Maybe maybe just get a little bit stronger. But he can do a lot. He can play special teams. uh Boy, he's a, in the NFL today, it's a passing league, just like the way it's kind of going at the college level. And Curtis Jacobs is a guy you want uh, on the field if you're going to play pass defense at the next level. I'm glad he came back. Also, Johnny, I think you, you know this too, but I, he's a really engaging guy to talk to. He's got a great personality. He's always got a smile on his face. He genuinely cares about kind of asking, asking the question he's asked and he kind of messes with the reporters a little bit, but in a, in a good way. He's got to answer questions. Um, but I think he's one of the better guys to talk to on the team. And even for that reason alone, I'm glad he's coming back. But boy, those two freakish athletes on a defense with if Manny Diaz, assuming Manny Diaz is back, he's going to have a lot of fun, I think, this offseason with these young players as they as they continue to evolve. Yeah, Curtis is one of the best interviews on the team. Every every answer, you can tell that he takes your question in and he actually like pro- – processes it, but also has fun with it. And on the flip side too, he is, he's gaining maturity. And I think this decision I mentioned already uh, and the way that he handled it, he was mentioned, he said out in LA that before the year, he sat down with James Franklin and said, you know what? I don't want to talk about this NFL stuff. I don't want any discussions during the season at all. I want to wait until after the season is over to sit down with my family and go through this process. And he said he likes to play football. Like he's a little kid out there that just got his helmet. And you can tell, you can definitely tell that he felt that if he was thinking about the NFL or anything beyond the 2022 season, uh, that he wouldn't be able to play that way. And he, and he did play that well way. And you look at the Minnesota game where he had a career high, 14 tackles, seven solo, two for loss. This, that's, that's the type of performance and the type of linebacker that Penn State has. I think it's an issue. It's a matter of getting more consistent uh, with that play. But when you see like the sack he had at Rutgers and, the kind of plays that he is able to make within this Manny Diaz defense and next to Abdul Carter and behind guys like Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac and uh, Denai Dennis Sutton and Amin Vanover. You know, again, the names keep going on and on. 
it's a very talented defense. It's a defense with, you know, more to prove too. You talk about Curtis and Adisa coming back for the NFL. Kalen King is going to be stepping up into that number one corner role uh, that's vacated by Joey Porter. And Kalen had a great season this year. You've got Deny wanting to take the step up and, you know, PJ Mustafer moving on. So you have defensive tackles wanting to step up into that, uh, you know, that power vacuum, if you will. So there's a, it's a defense that is talented, but with more to prove, which is crazy because they, they play pretty darn well this year. And so I think that's a good sign for Penn State. Everyone wants to talk about Nick Singleton and Katron and Aller, but this defense could be the foundation that Penn State builds, uh, you know, a possible playoff team on, you know, in six, seven months here. I was just thinking the same thing. It's great. I mean, if you're a Penn State fan, you might be more excited about the defense than the offense, only because there's going to be probably some growing pains for the young quarterback, right? Certainly, he's got the talent to be an immediate, immediate impact player in uh, in the offense. But the defense, I don't want to say the defense is set, but you know, other than maybe a little bit at defensive tackle, I think that that's where like a guy like Zane Durant comes in, right? He's a guy that. He's not the kind of player that PJ was, but when you add him in year two with the guys they have coming back, the guys they're bringing in, just about every other position, I think you have to feel really, really good about if you're Penn State. And that's lo- that's with losing Joey Porter. And a lot of that's because of Kalen King. A lot of that is because, you know, a guy like Daquan Hardy. We haven't really heard anything. I know I'm going to jinx it the minute I say his name, but, you know, Johnny Dixon is a guy that if he comes back in, uh, in 2023, I thought he had a he really, really played well. I thought, you know, for large stretches in 2023. They have a lot of corners, Cam Miller. Um, I feel like they feel really good about their young safeties that are gonna join, you know, Keaton Ellis, even though they're gonna miss Tig. But just about everywhere you look at defense, instead of questions, there's just answers, right? There's just there are guys, there's disruptive guys. Manny Diaz knows what he has now. I think he feels a lot better about middle linebacker, you know, singleton, Katron Allen. Drew Aller, right? The tight ends, the offensive line, a lot to get excited about. But this, this defense looks like it's maybe more of a finished product. Yeah, you mentioned safety. I mean, Zaki Wheatley was all over the ball at times this year. Uh, Keaton Ellis, a veteran, assuming he is back. Even uh, Jalen Reed, who had a really nice season. Um, I saw, I think it was on Instagram, uh, one of the student reporters, I believe, from the Collegian pointed this out. Uh, he had ended up having surgery recently because uh, I saw his arm was in a sling. Yeah, he got hurt early in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. That's just something to keep an eye on, um, you know, as we approach winter workouts and uh, eventually spring ball is going to be rolling around here soon, Bob. So something to keep an eye on there. You mentioned D tackle and I mentioned PJ Mustafer. I do think that they want to add uh, a bigger body in there if they can from the portal. That's an ongoing process. You know, Storm Duck coming in as a corner uh, from North Carolina. Uh, that helps a lot. He's a you know a savvy guy, veteran guy. Played a lot of ball uh, for the Tar Heels, and uh, when he was healthy, was really good. Injuries have been an issue for him, uh, but I remember watching him you know when I was covering Pitt, and he's just he's a good he's a good player. He's a really he's got big size. You know he's six foot two, six foot you know a high six foot one I think, and uh, and one that Manny Diaz will like to have in his man scheme. One one thing to keep an eye on. So Storm Duck was announced uh, by Penn State as as an enrollee that he's in. He's good. Uh, Devin Carter, the North Carolina statewide receiver, has not been announced yet by Penn State. So there's something there might be something there, uh, whether he's still you know assessing his options. Uh, I think we'll have an a, you know, official answer on that sooner rather than later. Again, a situation where we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. And, you know, by the time you listen to this, he might already be announced and in officially uh, with Penn State's football program. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But 
yeah, wide receiver is an area that they still want to address. And I think offensive tackle too, especially with Bryce Efner leaving, that's one bit of news that it's an understandable decision for him. He's stepping away from football. He's not declaring from the NFL. He's not transferring. Uh, but Efner, who started a lot of games, you know, for this Penn State team, really from from the jump, he was in a rotation with Caden Wallace and then took over once Wallace got hurt in that Minnesota game. Bryce Efner was a swing, a swing tackle and a, a guy who a versatile guy along that offensive line. Going back the last few years, he settled in, did a really nice job for them. Uh, he won't be back, but they do have a lot of depth and a lot of talent on that offensive line that I'm sure they feel good about. Uh, if they're able to bring in a veteran tackle, I think that's that's another piece to just keep. This is the Blue-White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Caden Wallace to me is one of the more interesting players I think that, you know, is expected to be on the 2023 roster only because of the roller coaster ride he has had at Penn State. He was the guy that when they, when they brought him in as a freshman, they were talking about, boy, this guy could be really a special player. Um, there was some thought he might be a guard. Then they moved him, I think, out to tackle uh, early in the 2020 season, and he kind of held that position down in 2020. Uh, he played right tackle, I think, just about all of 2021. You know, just like everyone on the offensive line did not do well in that game at, at when Michigan came into to state college. But, you know, this start of this year, you know, before before he came out of the lineup, it just looked like there were a lot of like penalties or a lot of, you know, he, he was just struggling a little bit. I thought in pass protection, maybe he wasn't feeling great, but for him to come back and if he's healthy and motivated and focused, that's almost like a new addition to me uh, for Penn State, because I, I never had the feeling midway through the season that we were going to see him again in 2023, but he had a, he had a really nice block on Singleton's 87 yard touchdown run in the Rose bowl. They put him in. I think Salim Wormley had to come out of the game or Efner came out of the game. They were worried about Wormley. They actually had Wallace on the field for that touchdown run. I thought he looked pretty good. So he's, he's a guy that is interesting to me, Johnny, but not as interesting. Uh, I'm teeing you up here as the January enrollees at Penn state. I think there were supposed to be 11. I don't know what the final count was, but when you just look at that list at large and you and the thoughts on going being able to go through the winter conditioning program, what an advantage that could be for them. That's a pretty nice group of freshmen to have come in early, and a lot of them are really talented. Yeah, and we were just talking about the offensive line. Let's keep it there. Uh, Javon Williams and, uh, and Alex Birchmeyer, 
and Anthony Donka as well. I mean, all three of Penn State's offensive line signees are in early and they're going to be going through winter workouts. And they already tweeted their pictures to, you know, James Franklin saying that they're you know, sitting in the front of the classroom uh, for their first class. All, all 11 of the early enrollees uh, did that. But Birchmeyer and Williams specifically, uh, you know, the first time that Penn State in the James Franklin era and really since 24-7 started keeping track of this data, the first time that Penn State signed two top 50 uh, tight, you know, um, offensive linemen, like two offensive linemen that were ranked in the top 50 nationally amongst all prospects, not offensive linemen. Uh, so these two guys come in with a lot of pedigree and uh, deservingly so every you know school in the country wanted them. And they've got they've got no real pressure on them to contribute right away. This is not a dire offensive line situation that, you know, last year when they were doing the spring game, they couldn't really have one because they didn't have the depth along that offensive line. Fashion is back at left tackle. You're going to have Drew Shelton and Caden Wallace competing at right tackle. Sal Wormley is back at guard. Uh, Landon Tangwall, you know, once he gets back from his injury, will be back at guard. It would expect Hunter Norzad to bump over to center and, and take that job. You know, now that Juice Scruggs is gone, but like what you saw from JB Nelson and Vega Ione uh, during the season as well, during their limited reps. Uh, and so you've got depth on that offensive line. You don't need Birchmeyer Williams to come in and compete right away. Uh, so maybe they start off as tackles and see what you got with them there and then work their way inside and see what you got there as well. This is a good time for that, that to, you know, for them to do that, you know, during this, uh, you know, not so much winter workouts because that's just going to be getting them conditioned and, and all that, but spring ball, I think is going to be a, a nice time for them to get into the system and, you know, let Phil Troutwine, you know, get his hands on them and, and, and really, you know, mold them uh, to his liking from an early jump. I think that's a big deal. Uh, so those two offensive linemen in particular are the ones I'm looking forward to most and just hearing from the coaching staff how they take to winter workouts and how they take uh, to spring ball. But there's a lot of potential con- you know, contributors uh, across the early enrollees as well at, you know, on both sides of the ball. I'm going to leave you with one thought to get your reaction on it here on the blue-white breakdown before we wrap this one up. The, the buzz surrounding this team, the 11-2 season, the Rose Bowl win, a lot of people have this, have, have this Penn State team just about everyone, top 10, potentially maybe talented enough to creep into the top five if things go their way. It's only January, but, you know, four months ago, if you think about where this team was going into the season, roughly, you know, uncertainty, they're going to open at Purdue. Purdue ended up playing in the Big Ten title game. They find a way to win that game. There's so many questions about the offensive line, the running game. How good are the freshmen going to be? Is Mike Yersich going to kind of maybe get it together in his second year as offensive coordinator. What about Sean Clifford? Is he going to be able to hold off Drew Aller? Then, you know, they, they start the year with the impressive wins. Then they get blown out of the gym by Michigan. And just to see the progress this team has had, you know, since September 1st, to me, is, I, I mean, I, I, I just think that it's a credit to the players, the credit to James and his staff. But I didn't, I, I can say, and in no way did I think we'd be having this conversation four months later about, boy, what can this Penn State team do not only this year, but in 2024? Yeah, this this discussion was not one that we had, you know, on our calendars, you know, ready for for mid-January. But, you know, I had them at nine and three before the year. So, you know, I was kind of close, but not again, not close enough. And and I didn't expect them to be in the Rose Bowl, didn't expect them to beat the Pac-12 champs and finish 11 and two. This was a kind of a, a nice I don't want to say reset year for James Franklin, but it kind of is for James Franklin and his program after 
you know, 2020 and 2021, you know, the, the, the COVID year that everyone just kind of want, wants to, you know, flush down the toilet, never talk about again. Uh, the 2021 season where they you know, lost in the Outback Bowl, finished seven and six. This is kind of getting back to what James Franklin had rolling earlier uh, in his tenure at Penn State, 2016 Rose Bowl and Big Ten title, the 2017-18-19. Uh, Again, like kind of the good times, right? And especially with 2024 coming up in a 12-team playoff, this is kind of what you want to see from this Penn State program that if there was a 12-team playoff going back all the way to 2016, they would have been in it uh, quite a few times. And so this is kind of what you want to see out of them. Yeah, I'm sure the, the Michigan loss – Still probably annoys you know fans, the coaches, the players. I mean, they got blown off the field that day. So that has to stick in the craw of a lot of people. I'm sure the Ohio State loss is bothersome too, considering that they, they had a lead and they shouldn't necessarily definitely won that game. But again, they had a fourth quarter lead and, and couldn't hold on. This is still a good way to end the season. If they were in like the you know the Citrus Bowl or some some other lower bowl and they beat a lower level team, then I don't think the hype is where it is right now. So to do what they did in the Rose Bowl against a good Utah team uh, and to finish eleven and two, you know this is a conversation we're going to be having throughout this offseason and a, a conversation that people across the country are going to be having you know throughout this offseason because it's not just you know the Penn State writers and the Penn State fan base that recognizes what this team has going into 2023, going into this upcoming fall. I think a lot of people across the country recognize it too. And I'm interested to see how, how it all plays out. I'm, I'm looking forward to September already, Bob. Give, give me to the next season. I'm, I'm already there. I love it. I love where your head's at. But Johnny, you have at least one thing in your personal life that you're looking forward to a little bit more than September. The Philadelphia Eagles postseason is about to kick off. I know I know you're excited. I know on a scale of 1 to 10, I don't think 10 is high enough, but let's not get to September, Johnny, for you too quickly because I think it could be a pretty significant January and early February for you. As a Cowboys fan, not as excited as you are, but that's, that, is, that is my cross to bear. So let's not get to September yet. You're going to enjoy January, I think, and I hope you get to enjoy early February. That's a wrap for the Blue-White Breakdown, Johnny. Uh, good luck to your Eagles. I'm sure, well, they don't play this week. Well earned by my Cowboys do play this week. And yeah, uh, I'm just going to stop talking. But uh, Godspeed. Godspeed against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be back, Penn State fans, next week to talk about, maybe we'll talk a little bit about, it's, it's kind of a, a milestone for James Franklin. Ten years. Ten years at Penn State. That might be a good topic we can delve into uh, on the next Blue White Breakdown. He's Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders. We'll talk to you guys next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>